Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we're starting a new series called Living by Faith. Pastor is teaching on the importance of prayer and the relationship prayer builds between you and God. When you're drawing near to God, He draws near to you. Let's see what Pastor has to say in today's message, Walking with God. I want to start out in Genesis chapter 5. Uh, so often we think of prayer as simply being a request that we have. But it, it's more of a conversation, but it's even more of a lifestyle. Uh, in, 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 in Genesis 5 and verse 21, it says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Uh, next chapter, we find Noah, and it says that Noah walked with God. So Enoch walked with God for 300 years, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Uh, so Enoch is 65 years old when he gets his son Methuselah. And after that, he walks with God for 300 years. And at some point, at the end of that 300 years, he's walking with God and God just said, hey, time's up. And it's closer to my house than yours. Took him home. He's been in heaven ever since, never died. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to mention about Enoch. Notice he's 65. He begets Methuselah and begins to walk with God. And, and I believe today, with all my heart, that what God is looking for is for people to walk with him. Right? That, that, what we're really called to do is walk with God. You can call it living by faith, but it's a walk with God. It is a relationship. It's, a, a, it's something that, that's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Now, that doesn't mean you get weird. Now, uh, notice he walked with God and begot sons and daughters. How many know what that means? <laughs> he was not some flaky person who's like, oh, stay away from me. You know? But he walked with God. He walked with God. Now, he begets Methuselah when he's 65. Now, the New Testament mentions Enoch again. And uh, it says in the book of Jude, it says, now Enoch the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also. See, Enoch's a prophet. He talks about Jesus' return, but that's an also prophecy. It's not his first prophecy. And by the way, that prophecy says, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all the undeeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Uh, so he prophesies about Jesus coming back to execute judgment with the saints. But that's an also prophecy. His first prophecy, you can read over these verses in Genesis 5 and miss it. He begets Methuselah. 
Now, Methuselah means at your death, judgment falls. Now, how many of you know that would be a pretty bad name? I mean, everybody would be like, don't mess with him. You know? Because when he dies, bam, there's judgment. But literally what happens is he sees God judge the earth. Now, notice his last prophecy is about God, Jesus, coming back to judge. His first prophecy also concerns judgment. If you follow the, the genealogy out, Methuselah dies and the flood takes place. So it's interesting that he lived longer than any person ever lived. The Bible says he lived 969 years, the longest person that ever lived, because God does not want to judge. God wants to have mercy. That's God. God just kept on giving him, giving him more life because he said, I'm giving people time to repent. I'm giving time for people to get right with me. But people just kept on going farther and farther and farther from God. And ultimately, Methuselah died and judgment came. But we want to look at that walk with God. Um, Jeannie and I have been married for quite a while. Uh, I think she's not right. She's not here in the service. So I'll just say, I think it's 46 years. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but I'm not too sure. <laughs> you know? All right. So, so let me just tell you, you know, typically in the morning, you know, we, we get up and we talk a little bit and uh, I'll go and do my reading and we'll come back and we'll do our confessions together and uh, we'll talk about what we're going to do later in the day and I get here to work and then I text her and like what's happening or I, I give her a call, you know, and I'm like, hey, we'll get home later, go spend time with her. Now, <clears throat> I mean, that's a relationship. Uh, she's, my, she's my wife, she's my bride. But how many you know we are the bride of Christ? We're the bride of Christ. And we're supposed to have a relationship with him like you have with your bride, like you have with your spouse. You walk with them. In Philippians, the apostle Paul said that I may know him, right? That I may know him. Uh, it, it's not just about getting some request answered. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing God. The, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, the 103rd chapter, it says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel knew what he did, but Moses knew his ways. Moses knew his wives. Moses knew God because he walked with God. We don't want to be somebody who just knows what God did. We want to know his ways. Smith Wigglesworth said this. Some of you may not know who Smith Wigglesworth was, a, a great evangelist uh, in the last century. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, when he was asked about prayer, he said, I seldom pray for a half hour. He said, but I seldom go a half hour without praying. Why? Because it's relationship. He's talking to God about everything that he's doing. In James chapter 5, in verse 16, it says, Conf Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored. 
to a spiritual tone and mind of heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So, so prayer does change things. But I want you to notice it says the heartfelt, continued prayer. It, it, it's not just getting something out there. In fact, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, it's got to be something real on the inside of you. Uh, your prayer needs to be come from your heart. It needs to be heartfelt. It needs to be intentional. Uh, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said to him, he gives them what we call the, the Lord's Prayer. Really, it probably should be called the Disciples' Prayer, don't you think? Because Jesus said, this is how you should pray, right? He said, pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, that simple prayer, and you pray it from your heart, you pray it with intentionality, right? Your mind is engaged. Your heart is engaged. You have prayed a great prayer. Um, now, if, if you're praying it, you know, if you're trying to get your 55, our fathers in, it, it's not a heartfelt prayer. It's not an intentional prayer. Or if your mind is someplace else and you get done, you got, did I pray that prayer or not? Well, then you didn't pray a great prayer. But when, when, when you pray from your heart in, with intentionality, your heart is engaged, you're talking to God. You know? and, and part of prayer is not just talking. Part of prayer is listening. Part of prayer is listening. Listening for God to get, put an impression now, you probably won't hear a voice from heaven, but most likely it's going to come as an impression, as an inner witness of something that you're supposed to do. And, and, and part of prayer for me is being in the Bible, because that's God speaking to us. Habakkuk said this. He said, I will look to say what he will say to me. I will look to see what he will say to me. Well, the place that I look, the Bible. It's the Word of God. It is God speaking to us. And Jesus, in his prayer, he, he prayed and said, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And again, so often what we are looking for is we're looking to get out of here and go to the kingdom. But Jesus said, I want the kingdom. You're to pray your kingdom come. Again, in Acts, the first chapter, uh, it's written by, by Luke, the beloved physician. Uh, he's not one of the 12 apostles. Most people think he was one of the apostles. He was not. But yet he was there and he spent time with the apostles, traveled for years with the apostle Paul. He wrote the book of Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts. Now, you know that this is a miracle, right? Because he's a doctor. Nobody can read a doctor's writing, <laughs> but we've got them, all right? So, so both of them are written to Theophilus, 
Now, some people actually believe that Theophilus was a, a doctor like Luke, and he was writing to him. Uh, the name Theophilus means friend of God. Now, I believe he's writing this to everybody, right? It's just like, hey, friends of God, here it is. So Jesus, he said in the third verse, he, he said that he spoke to them during 40 days. Right? Now, Jesus is going to talk to them about the most important things. He's going to talk to them about what's on his heart. And he said, speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I think I mentioned uh, recently, 160 times the New Testament talks about the kingdom of God, but 129 times in the four gospels about the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, what did he preach? The kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's available. It's now. It's for you. you can, it, can, it, it can be in your life today, today. When uh, Philip went to Samaria, it says he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. At the end of Paul's life, right at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, it says preaching the things of the kingdom of God. He's preaching the kingdom of God. In Timothy, it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Jesus said, as the father bestowed upon me a kingdom, he said, I bestow upon you a kingdom. What did Jesus leave us? A kingdom, a kingdom. And, and it's interesting that in the, the, the Lord's prayer, one of the main subjects of the prayer is the kingdom of God. And it's not you getting out of here and going someplace, but it's getting the kingdom of God in you today and through you today. Now, the disciples didn't get it. Jesus is with them for 40 days. Now, we don't know at what point in the, the conversation, but, but uh, they're talking with Jesus. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And uh, they asked him and they said, Lord, will I, you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're, they're getting it. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And they said, is this the time that you're going to set up your kingdom and you are going to rule Israel? And Jesus didn't say that's never going to happen. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time or the season that it's going to happen. And, and by the way, I, I hear quite a few people talking about the end of the world. Uh, listen, the end of the world's a long way off. When Jesus comes back, He's going to set up a kingdom and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. So if Jesus came back today, minimum of a thousand years before the end of the world. We, we are not near the end of the world, but what we are nearing is the end of human government. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> The end of human government is getting close because when Jesus comes back, he's not coming on an elephant or a donkey. He's not, he, he's not coming to join your party or anybody else's party, right? He's coming to rule. He's coming to reign. He's coming to set up his kingdom, right? 
But the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we want you to rule. We want to be right next to you, and we want to rule. So they still think it's about them. They're, lo they're looking at, how, how is this? Th what about me? What about me? What about me? I, I, I love Ephesians chapter 1 in the, the uh, Message Bible, 11th verse. It says, for it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are to live for. Everything, you, you find it all in Christ. In Colossians 1, 16, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. Where are we going to find our purpose? In him, all right? But they're still like, hey, what about me? What about me, Jesus? What about me? What about me? What about me? All right. Uh, you, ever been, you ever been to a wedding where the, the pastor thought it was about him? I mean, literally it takes an hour to do a sermon. You know, it's not about him. It's about her, right? I mean, the wedding is about her. She has been thinking about this day most of her life. And he's been thinking about this night most of his life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not about the guy. It's not about the pastor. And I, we need to get the, 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 the place where we're no longer thinking it's about us. You know, a man without a purpose who doesn't know his purpose is like a ship without a rudder just going in whatever direction. Now, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I, I was reading in the Psalms uh, this week, in Psalms 116, says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, prayer and thanksgiving and praise, they go together. I'll offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. You know, part of our time with God, you can call it your prayer time, call it your, your quiet time, your walk with God. Part of it should be thanksgiving. And part of it's calling upon his name. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, it says, be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. Now, literally, worry is fear in its infancy. That's what it is. It's fear in its infancy. When worry grows, it becomes fear. And when it matures, right, it often is actually controlled and manipulated by an evil spirit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. There is a spirit, a demonic spirit, that can get involved in fear. But in its infancy... You're anxious. You're worried. Don't be anxious about anything. But I love one translation says, but pray about everything. But in everything by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving. They go together. Uh, even think about it as a parent or a grandparent. Uh, if if uh, you give your, your, your child or your grandchild a gift, and they're kind of like, oh, okay. Or even if they just take off with it and go to the other room. You're like, oh, okay. You know. But when they come up and they're like, Papa, 
You're the greatest papa in the world. I love you. What else do you want? <laughs> Think about it, right? Uh, if, literally, if you're not happy, if you're not thankful for the things that you have, you're not going to be thankful when you receive something else. So, so prayer, requests, and thanksgiving, they just go together. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. And finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think or meditate on these things. Now, first, there's, there's worry, there's anxiety. Then comes the prayer. And afterwards, it says that God will guard your heart and your mind. But then he tells us what to think about. He says, you can't think about lack, and you can't be full of worry and, and have peace. So Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's why Paul tells us what we need to be thinking about. And notice again, it's the sacrifice of praise. Uh, there's days when it's easy to praise, but there's days where it can be kind of rough to praise. There's days when you feel it. There's days when you don't feel it. I think the sacrifice is when you don't feel it. But whether we feel it or don't feel it. Now, another thing that Jesus brought in continually when he, he addressed the subject of prayer was, well, he did it in the, in the Lord's Prayer. He says, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And of course, in Mark 11, he says, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, when you pray, if you have anything against anyone, some of your translations say, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone. So, so forgiveness is supposed to be a part of prayer. Part of the time that we spend with God, we check our hearts. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, that, that um, a lot of people don't even know is there. It's the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon was a friend of the Apostle Paul's. He had a slave by the name of Onesimus who ran away. And somehow he ended up in prison with the Apostle Paul. And Paul wins him to the Lord. And he writes Philemon and says, your, your, your slave that ran away from you has become my son in the Lord. He says, I love him. I love him like I love myself. He says, and I'm asking you, now, actually, Paul says, I'm pretty much telling you. He says, you forgive him. Now, it was not uncommon in the Roman Empire for a runaway slave not only to be beaten, but at times their life was taken. So, so he tells, finally, I mean, look, you forgive him. You forgive him. And, and he does, by the way. He forgives him. And sets him free. 
I'm going to give you a little quote. He became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Onesimus, the slave, becomes the pastor of the church at Ephesus. That church at that time was the largest church in the world. Right? Depending upon which scholar you, you read, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, where Timothy had been the pastor, was between 50,000 and 125,000 members in the church. Right? It's not a little church. Then he becomes the bishop of what is today Istanbul. All right. Some of, uh, some of the, the older denominations uh, rever him as one of the saints. All right. It was somebody who, who people looked at and people thought very little of. What could happen with that guy? But his name, Onipotence, means beneficial. And that's exactly what he became. He became beneficial after he was forgiven. I think it's interesting that when Stephen is being stoned to death, and the, the man who becomes the apostle Paul, Saul, is there, and he, he's voted to put him to death, and he's watching the coats of the people that are stoning him. And there is Stephen praying and saying, Father, do not hold this sin against them. And because years later, I think it was part of the answer to that prayer. Don't hold this sin against them. That Paul or Saul becomes Saul. Jesus appears to him and he becomes the greatest of all the apostles and the greatest church planner that literally the world has ever seen. When Jesus is on the cross, he's being crucified. He prays and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. In Romans chapter 12, it says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. How many of you know there's some people it's hard to live peaceably with, but as much as you possibly can, the Bible says. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, when, when you repay evil for evil, there's just this continual cycle. But you break the cycle when you return evil with good. Now, forgiveness is a verb. It's an action word. So when we forgive somebody, it's not just about a thought. It's something we do. It's not, it's not, doesn't really have to do with our emotions. It has to do with the decision that we make and what we do to follow through with that decision. In other words, the Bible says when you forgive them, you pray for them. Not that they'll slide on the ice and end up in a wreck but you pray God's blessing on them, right? And the Bible says to do them good. Don't, don't return that evil for evil, but do good to that person. If you possibly can, if there's something you can do, do them good, pray for them, right? Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're gonna have warm feelings, although it's very possible as you continue to pray for them that your heart will change. God will give you compassion for that person. 
But we just need to be sure we're not holding resentment and we're not holding anger. But you forgive the person, you pray for them, you bless them, you do them good. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel is speaking, he says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and cease praying for you. You know, prayerlessness, prayerlessness, the Bible teaches us that prayerlessness is sin. And I believe that the reason for most prayerlessness is bad theology. People don't believe that prayer makes a difference, that it matters whether they pray or whether they don't pray. But the Bible teaches us that prayer does make a difference. And we're to pray for our country. We're to pray for our rulers, our marriage, our family, our friends, our jobs, our businesses, our leaders. In fact, in Timothy, it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. If this message has touched your heart and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God or I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not right with God. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you bow your head? Make these words your own. Pray this from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book. And it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy. If you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge. Right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to one 888 364 give visit walkingbyfaith.tv/give or click on the giving icon in our app